everyone and welcome to Screams After Midnight. I am Peter, that is Tim, who's freshly shaved. Look at me, he's all young looking, this is weird. Yeah. Um, Baby face. <laughs> <laughs> so, we talk about horror movies on this show and this episode specifically is actually the winner of our Patreon vote for the past month. Uh, every month on Patreon, the $5 members and up get to vote between four movies that are usually part of a theme. In this case, it was all winter-based movies. And the winner was The Thing from Another World, a.k.a. the original Thing. Uh, as in, you know, later on we got John Carpenter's The Thing. And then later on we got the kind of remake, kind of prequel uh, from, like, 2011. Best, yeah, I mean... best not remember that one so much. I mean, is this really a winter movie, or does it just take place in the, uh, like, in the Antarctic? The snow, it feels wintry. I mean, <laughs> I, I, okay, I get your argument that it's set in a place where there's always snow. Okay, that's fair. Fair. But yeah, it's a winter movie. Okay. <laughs> just checking. It fits the mood. It fits the mood of winter. Sure. Do you disagree? Mm, no. <laughs> Alright then. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to talk about The Thing from Another World. So we'll start spoiler free, we'll warn you about spoilers before we get into it. Um, somewhere in the middle, and that's how this is going to go. So, uh, so what is The Thing from Another World, all in the fact that it's got a pretty cool title. Uh, it's funny because obviously I think most of us are probably more familiar with the later version. Uh, widely regarded as one of the better remakes of all time, mainly because it's not really a remake, it's just an adaptation of the same source material, but much more accurate uh, from what I understand. I never, I've never read the source material myself, so I, I can't actually uh, attest to how much it is, per se. But, um, certainly this is a very different film, other than the fact that it's got the very similar setting. It's, you know, it's got the snowy Antarctic setting, uh, I mean, the opening of the movie, the, the, the very first scene we see after the titles is someone coming in from the, the snow and he's complaining about how cold it is and warming up at the fire. So I think right away you get this this mood of, okay, it's really snowy outside, we have to try and warm up. And you've, you've got that uh, kind of thing. So the snow acts as isolation and a, a sort of a pilot, sorry, not a pilot, a, a captain of a, a small squad from the Air Force uh, and he's like sort of navigator and he's a second officer get called to this uh, army base, or the science base in, in Antarctica, where they have called out for help. A journalist who we meet at the start of the movie with them goes along too, and they go there and try and find out, okay, so what's happening? Why have you called for help? And there's been a weird reading, some sort of unidentified object, uh, which seems to not be a meteorite because of how it landed, how it kind of moved when it came in, seems to have landed in the snow and caused a lot of... Uh, uh, sort of weather problems, you know, from the from the kick up of the snow and whatnot. So they go out to investigate it, and sure enough, there's an alien spaceship underneath the ice, and there's a survivor, there's an alien person, uh, an alien monster of some kind in there. And because it's the a 19th, thing, if you will, a thing, if you will, yes. And because it's the 1950s, it is basically just a tall man in makeup. Uh, do you know what I think is <laughs> funny? Is that it's in black and white, obviously the movie, but you know he's green. Like you can just tell for some reason oh, yeah. you just know that the, the makeup on him is green, but it's basically just a big tall guy with some uh, like makeup on and some like a sort of head prosthetic and some sort of cloy looking fingernails, mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of uh, so it's basically they're on this Arctic base and they're trying to like fight off this this alien monster, uh, very different from the, the later movie, which of course is about a monster that can kind of infect people and can take over. 
and impersonate people, whereas this is just more typical round around trying to hide from the monster and try to figure out ways to like fight him back and what are his weaknesses, what aren't his weaknesses, and that's kind of it. So a 1950s sci-fi movie, kind of at its at its core. So Tim, I had well, actually yeah. before I ask you if you liked it or not, had had you seen this before? Was this the first time watch? This is my first time, yeah. Okay, cool. So did you like mm-hmm. the thing from another world? <sighs> oh boy, uh kind of hoping you wouldn't ask me that um yeah it's what are the chances <laughs> uh well, no like the the reason why i'm a little hesitant is because i don't really feel super strong about it one way or the other mm-hmm. uh i like i wouldn't say i hated it um but I, I definitely didn't love it um i actually did like you know the scenes with the alien uh you know it is a cheap 1950s you know black and white you know b-movie sci-fi alien but that has its charm and that's kind of fun uh the only problem is that you know there's long stretches where we don't get that kind of stuff and it kind of just dragged on and, and bored me like not to the extent where like you know i was ripping my hair out and saying like oh this is you know oh this is like so like so shitty i, I can't take it um but also not to the extent where i was like "Ooh, i'm really excited i want to see this where this is going so i, I don't know it just kind of felt middle of the road uh to me hmm um i i think i like it a bit more than you but i also agree that i don't love it i think it's definitely inferior to the later version by without a doubt yeah, yeah. quite a margin i i think it's a bit goofier it's a bit sillier with the the monster but i i do like the setting i, I like uh, them dealing with the cold i like i like them dealing with this this monster uh, i think the characters they're not particularly deep but they are for the most part likable I think, you know, right at the start of the movie, yeah. you get introduced to them, you kind of, like, get a sense of who a few of them are. Uh, they're, they're, although, that said, there's one or two that I thought... They say up right at the start that the, the, the captain has been up here before, and he knows the girl who works there, and that there's maybe a bit of a history. And when he meets mm-hmm. her, again, she's very likeable right away, where he's pissed at her because apparently she played a prank on him, where she, like, you know, drew on him or uh, put, like, a, a bit of paper on him. A sign on him when he was asleep, mm-hmm. and everyone in the, in, in the that he works with is still kind of joking about it. They're still making fun of him for it, so he's kind of mad about it uh, in, a, in a jokey way. But right away they've got chemistry, and they're sort of like, "Oh, it's okay, right?" So I can see where this is going with those two. But they actually never really do anything with them. No, not, not really. It never. Like, really... like later on in the movie, like they have a couple, a couple more moments, but. Oh, from from this point on, I was expecting them to like grow closer and like that be a big plot of the movie, and it never actually does that. I kind of kept waiting for, and to be fair, this isn't the movie's fault, but just coming in with expectations, mm. you know, from the remake, is I thought there was going to be some type of like doppelganger or mimic situation where like the the alien would you know be pretending to be one of those humans, which you know doesn't happen. But yeah, I kept you know thinking something like oh maybe like uh that woman is actually going to end up being the you know alien at some point um, oh no uh, it's much more know. straightforward <laughs> than just uh you know alien try to get in try yes. to barricade <laughs> doors and you know burn it burn it with fire and whatnot it's just really really simple in that sense but that, i mean i think that does have its charm like uh, I, yeah. I i do have fun with the movie because it is kind of just a straightforward i mean you know i love a bottle movie i say that time and time again and that's really what it is it's set in this one location where they're trying to keep this thing outside and keep themselves safe and there's some fun ideas that pop up with them kind of theorizing like where this thing comes from 
like how, mm-hmm. how it works physically and all that kind of stuff. We'll talk about that in spoilers because I think that's a bit more specific. Yeah. Um, and there's there's some fun moments. Uh, there's actually a really impressive sequence with uh, with fire because obviously it's it's just a stuntman being set in fire, but uh, it really feels like as soon as they pour this like kerosene over him, like <laughs> the entire room just lights up, and I'm like, man, this is actually yeah. really dangerous looking. Like, well, you know, however they did this, like I'm sure mm-hmm. it was you know somewhat safe. To, and you know, however mm-hmm. they, they mapped it out but mm-hmm. it looked really vicious and kind of like oh okay right you know in, in a movie where I'm so used to you know like early on when they're standing over the ice and they, they keep saying that they can see a spaceship through it there's never a shot where you can see it it's just them <laughs> yeah. telling us they can see a spaceship through yeah, the ice yeah it takes their word for it <laughs> yeah yeah, so it's, it's definitely cutting a lot of corners and in in, not in a, like a, a lazy way just in the sense that mm. we don't have the effects or the money or whatever to show you this so we're having to cut those mm-hmm. corners and then this fire scene comes later on. I'm like, whoa! They they just like they they, they give me one impressive effect. I'll give them that. Where this was just really well done. Yeah, yeah. It kind of goes back to my point of like any time uh, they were dealing with the alien or the alien was on screen, like I was really like hooked into it and like okay this is actually pretty cool and um, you know obviously it's very dated but I think it still looks good. Um, you know as you know if you like that kind of you know aesthetic if you don't mind stuff that's a little older um but yeah it's just a lot of the moments in between that that like uh again it wasn't mind-numbingly boring where like you know you, you have to like uh stab a, you know yourself in the leg to wake up like it, it wasn't that level but what, what a glowing bit of praise. You didn't want to stab yourself <laughs> well, it wasn't like that last uh older movie we did i forget like the the swamp that has eyes or the whatever. night has <laughs> eyes i believe that's it yes <laughs> yeah like like that movie like jesus christ i'd have to like hook a car battery up to my nuts to stay awake for that one again but uh yeah this this one uh, uh, it was a little slow but not as like yeah bad <laughs> yeah that, that movie was so hard to talk about that i ended up having to cut out like five minutes of that review because this is in the video or the, the audio version like, if you if you want to watch it now but in the original, there was like a ten-minute discussion of what the exact definition of a, of the moors was, and we we, we, look, we looked up what countries have lots of moors, and we were surprised with some of the results. It was horrible. It was awful. I cut it all out. It was terrible. Uh, so we know, ended up having to call Alan Moore to <laughs> see. That was a terrible joke. Uh, <laughs> But no, I guess the point I'm making is though is that if stuff gets really bad in a recording, I will cut it out. I do think of your time. I don't want to waste it that much. For the record, I wish you'd think of my time, but never, uh... time. never. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, if their time's one currency, then yours is another. Like you're like the the I don't know, like you're like a yen, like one yen, versus one dollar. If I knew anything about current, uh, you know, exchange rates, I would <laughs> probably be insulted. But well, I'll take it as a compliment for now. I, mean, I don't um, know what the exchange rate is. I just know that when you talk about buying something in Japan in yen, you're always talking about hundreds or thousands. You, you're never just saying, you know, ten yen. It's, it's always like, you know, if you're buying bread, it's like, you know, that's like three hundred yen. And how much is a donny yen? Oh, he he's quite pricey. <laughs> Don, Donnie Yen's at least a few million, I think, to to, to get him. Uh, Jesus, I was going to make a point, but uh, oh, um, what what happened with that movie where like 
it was the future and like instead of currency people use time i think justin timberlake was in it oh it was in time because i remember when it came out there was jokes about just in time oh okay i get it so was that good or i, I never saw that, it but... yeah oh, interesting uh, well maybe we'll do it soon for the show it wasn't a horror movie but <laughs> you know <laughs> Uh, the only thing I've seen of that movie actually is there's a, I've seen a gif of there's a car crash in it in the movie mm-hmm. that's really really badly done where it's like a car flipping down the side of a hill but you can clearly see the entire time that it, there's no one in the car and it's like a, just a, a little <laughs> like model going to this weird especially for a newer movie you think they just do it with CG but whatever I kind of miss in like old uh, movies and TV shows where like they would show someone driving and then someone would just be like, "Oh no, a cliff!" and then it would just cut to like uh, like stock footage mm. of a obviously empty car just going down a cliff. No, nope, I I can't car. Back to the <laughs> thing, however, uh, we got off track there. Yeah, I I think the characters are likable. I think the problem with the because I actually kind of like a lot of these older sci-fi movies where a lot of it is just kind of talking about the threat rather than there being a lot of action because i kind of like the the whole idea where it's very theoretical they're talking about ideas rather than very specific sort of you know specific moments right i think there's there's a lot of that in this there there is a lot of that but i think it suffers a little bit because the the core debate that is brought up I don't think they, they set the characters up enough to really do it as much justice. Because, you know, the whole thing where the scientist is like, no, we have to preserve them and we have to, like, you know, open them up, you know, because at first they want to keep them in the ice and not melt them and, you know, whatever. And the scientist wants to do that. And then when it starts to, you know, wake up and kill people, the scientist is like, no, we can't kill it, we can't kill it. This is like a great find for science. That's like a big thing. And I feel like that's actually an interesting idea. You have this debate between the soldier who just wants to keep them safe and the scientist who wants to like you know study it for mankind and i feel like that 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 is something that is there that could be done well but i feel like a lot of it falls a little bit flat mainly because the scientist just blatantly starts ignoring the fact that everyone like how are you going to study if it's killing you like like you know there's never any kind of sense to it in this he he does a very like stereotypical scientist thing where you know, he he, he kind of is of the mindset that like, like oh no, this is like a, a superior life form. Which I feel like, whenever someone says that in a movie, it's always kind of like, is it? <laughs> I don't know. That doesn't seem so great. <laughs> I I think he means genetically, Tim. Not, not so much that he seems like a blast to hang out with. Or I mean, hey, I I put my genes up to that guy's so <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, so I, I think that's the fault of the movie. Uh, I, I do think it's a fun watch, though. I, I think it's a nice, easy 80-minute, uh, you know. Yeah, I think, I think it's I, a fine watch. It's just not... I, yeah. I, I think there's a reason why people don't talk about this one that much, but everyone talks about the 82 one. Uh, I would say if you're, like, a diehard thing fan um, that, you know, you want to know, like, every aspect about it, then it'd probably be worth checking this out uh, out of curiosity. Well, I, I think and, uh, also, I'd add to that, if you're a fan of just sci-fi B-movies, then I think... Yeah. Yeah, you, you'll get a lot out of it, because if you like that type of movie. Yeah, especially, like, you know, if you don't mind, you know, something a little older, like, some people are, like, you know, super, like, oh, I don't watch anything past the 80s or whatever, which uh, is dumb, but... Well, well you know, Tim, if, that, that, that was people who are our age in school. Imagine what kids in school now are saying. They're like, oh, I'm not watching anything before 2000. Like, whoa, <laughs> okay. Oh my god. I didn't think about it, but... Yeah, <laughs> you should right. want to strangle them all, didn't it? 
but uh yeah i think it's like a it, it's a interesting for a watch um yeah i, I don't th- i don't know if it's something I'd, I'd be super into wanting to watch again but i am glad that i saw it at least yeah once. for the record i had seen this before um and i enjoyed it well Ooh. enough the first time i enjoyed it well enough this time uh, i will say though that i'd forgotten most of it like it mm. wasn't that memorable and i feel like i'll, I'll again forget a lot of it uh yeah. But hey, but I, I think we'll give a spoiler warning and we'll talk about uh, some specific plot points and details that I think we might want to discuss. Uh, namely, what the thing actually is, because they they actually end up with an arm, because when the thing wakes up and gets outside, it kills like a couple of the dogs uh, that are out in the snow, which seems really, I mean, I know they're dogs, but still, bring them in with the heat. <laughs> let, let them, yeah. Let them, let them outside in the, the blizzard, uh, which is apparently so bad they can't communicate with anyone, because they can't get any orders. Uh, okay. But... So there's the thing like fights the dogs, it's but the... oh, <laughs> oh you go, you go. And I was just gonna say it. It ends up being like the thing I hate the most. Was that maybe a joke? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I I hate vegetables. I'm just. <laughs> I can't wait until we've got ten of these, just so we can get the the box set. <laughs> ten things I hate about aliens. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want ten. More. I want ten thing movies, and then we get the, the ten things pun on the on the box set. I think that's what we want. Uh, but yeah, so so so, but its arm gets bit off, and they actually have its arm. So they start testing it, and the scientists are looking at it, and basically they, they discover that it's a, a vegetation based animal. The idea being that on whatever planet he's from, he evolved from vegetables instead of like us with uh, you know primates and you know other other life. And because of that, it can regenerate and it can grow more of himself and all crazy things. But, you know, one of the characters does point out this is, feels kind of silly, like, you're telling me this is a super carrot. <laughs> this hunt is, <laughs> it's like, well, in a sense, yes, yeah, this is a super mm-hmm. carrot. Uh, yeah, I'd completely forgotten this was a vegetable monster uh, <laughs> from my first viewing. So that was like an amusing find. To, to, how, how did you find the vegetable uh, spin in the, in the plot, Tim? Uh, I was like, this is interesting. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it, it was, it's also, I don't know. Uh, it didn't seem very veggie like to me. Like I, I would have thought it would have maybe looked more like a, like a swamp thing <laughs> kind of aesthetic. Oh, sure. Yeah. Whatever. But, um, I, I don't know. It didn't seem like the vegetable aspect I, I think is interesting but it seemed like it didn't really go like much anywhere other uh, than I guess maybe like the regrowing and stuff but. yeah which, which never really actually happens it just kind of like he's trying it's just to, a way yeah well, he, he, like it's just to let you know why he still has an arm when you see him next well I mean the actual proper like growing more of them because they set that up and he's, oh, yeah, like, yeah. he's trying to grow more of them but it never actually goes anywhere because they, they solve it before it happens but, uh, like I said, that, that impressive scene where they actually set him on fire and they keep throwing more kerosene over him, I thought that was a really impressive little sequence with the fire. Yeah, that looks really cool. And then, uh, yeah, just the way he kind of barges in and he kind of has, like, these, like, stiff um, uh, movements, but in, in a very, like, classic, like, you know, B-movie monster kind of way. And uh, Yeah, it's, it's very but, Frankenstein's monster, I think, the way he, yeah. he walks around. And, like, yeah. 
but yeah, like you said, it looks uh, it's a really cool scene. Like I thought it like looked kind of dark, and then uh, once but once everything kind of lights up, it's like nice and bright. Even though it's you know black and white, obviously, but you can tell uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny because just watching, you can tell like oh wow, that guy is really <laughs> on fire. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's, it's so much so that I was thinking that even when we were throwing more kerosene, I thought, that was really dangerous, just throwing this, like, flammable <laughs> stuff at him. Because uh, every time they did it, it looked like, you know, it won some of the walls, and more of the walls would go on fire. Yeah. And I'd be like, jeez. Uh, I, I guess it was a nice contrast thing as well, because most of the movie's been so snow-focused that seeing all this fire was just okay. like, okay, this is the opposite. Okay. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, honestly, the, the snow setting is probably my favourite thing about the movie. It's just, like, them fighting the cold the entire time, and especially mm-hmm. later on when the when the thing, like, shuts off the, the, the heating system, so they're mm-hmm. kind of all huddling into the generator room because they've got a, a few electric-based heating things with some coats on, and they're... Yeah, and it, it all looks really nice. Um... I, I don't know if they just did that all on a soundstage. Uh, I think so, yeah. At this time period, this would have all been soundstage. Yeah, because, I mean, it, it looks like, you know, the the Antarctic. I mean, it, it definitely did, like, a good job, like, all those outdoor scenes and everything. Well, the outdoor scenes may have been on location, but... Okay. Honestly, I think the black and white helps them a little bit. Hide, kind sure. of. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is one of the weird things, actually, is uh, if you watch The Mist in black and white... Uh, suddenly the the kind of not great CG suddenly looks quite good because taking the colour away actually hides a lot of it. So I think the snow, for example, snow can often look quite fake, but having it in black and white, even though snow's white anyway, I know that. (laughs) But it somehow helps kind of hide it a little bit. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, you know, it's the whole thing. So, no, you do kind of cheer a little bit when the the scientist gets, like, because he tries to reason with the monster. He's like, I think you're a superior being. I'd like to learn things from you. And he just whacks him. It's great. Very fulfilling. Yeah. Yeah. That guy was uh, not really like a villain, but maybe like the closest out of like the core group to. Yeah, well, because he, mm. he, he like has people on guard and the vegetation room knowing that he'll probably come back. He doesn't tell the captain, he doesn't tell the soldiers or whatever. And because of that, he gets like two men killed. Uh, so he's That's very true. so. So from that point on, he's very unsympathetic because he's he's just he's went off the deep end. Because at least before that point, when he was arguing with the captain and they were debating, oh, we should do this or no, we should do this for science. You at least kind of got his point of view until they started killing people, and it was like, oh, okay, right now you have no basis to argue any of this. Because uh, because ultimately he's like, oh no, uh, like our deaths are worth the knowledge that this might like you know, Garner for, for future generations and, you know, the captain and the rest of the guys are like, yeah, no. Kind of feels uh, almost Lovecraftian in a way. I feel like that's uh, hmm. something that happens in a lot of his stories is you have, like, the person that kind of succumbs to, like, the, the will or the madness of, like, these greater beings and is willing to, you know, sacrifice, like, you know, any or all human lives for the glory of it. Yeah. Uh, for the glory of this plant, man. <laughs> I mean, honestly, there's not a whole lot of other things that I could really point out and say, oh, that's really... Because I, I think the, the cast are decent. I think the characters are likable, even though they don't really get enough story. Uh, 
you know, I, I wouldn't praise the direction necessarily. I think it's a very simple. It's just, I mean, it's, yeah. it's just a sign of the times more than anything. But uh, you know, there was no very few moments where I thought, oh, that was a good shot, or that was a really well edited together little sequence, or, or whatever. It's a very basically shot movie. But again, it's kind of signs of the times. I can't really criticize it for that. Uh, but it's, it's the sort of thing where in a modern movie, if the plot was this thin. Like maybe the the technical side, maybe the cinematography would be what elevates it and says no. It, yeah, it might be a simple plot, but it's beautiful and it looks like you know every frame you could ha- hang on the wall as a painting. You could like print out that. You no, know, pause it, print it out, put it on the wall. Uh, yeah. You can't do that here. Like nothing is like that visually. I think the closest it maybe gets is when they're on top of the ice and they're looking at the ship and they like stand in that big circle. It's like okay, this looks yeah. kind of sort of visual moment where they're they're kind of like working out the size of the ship and and whatnot. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, the other, um, I guess, kind of big alien uh, sequence, uh, which I enjoyed, uh, not as much as the fire, but the uh, like electricity trap uh, kind of thing, I thought was cool too. Like, yeah, I do uh, like. Obviously, one thing I love about movies, horror movies like this, because I think what's funny about this is that it starts off kind of like a slasher movie where the, the monster's picking off victims one by one, but then it becomes a monster movie, because it's about like them all coming together and like trying to figure out how to beat them, and like, trying things like fire, and trying things, you know, various ideas. Uh, so yeah, I think that's a really interesting idea. I realised it kind of... Sh- I mean, not at the time. I think when it was made, no one would have made this distinction, but for us, in a post-slasher movie world, I think the first half is very slasher movie, and then it turns into a more traditional like monster movie uh, in the second half. That's but, pretty interesting. Yeah, I, I didn't think about that, but I can see that. Yeah, but anyway, so the monster movie thing I'll do at the end is I'll try to trap them. They, they know he's going to come for the generator because that's where we're, they're getting all their heat. Uh, and they, they basically create a new like sort of path of like, you know, like a of wood, of planks uh, on mm-hmm. the on the floor. But they've got it all rigged to electrocute them. So they're just waiting until they're in. Uh, and what's really funny is, is that he's not actually walking on it because there's, there's like space at the sides to walk as well and he's walking down the side <laughs> and basically the, the tactic to get him on there is one of them throws something at him and he just like sort of like dodges it by going onto the, the main path and then that's when they, that's when they electrocute him and beat him uh, and it, it ends with this, this kind of like like it's meant to be meaningful but it's not really where the journalists like finally they, they can finally communicate and they finally get the radio back so they can talk to people and the journalist is like right other road reporters there, right? This is your story, and he's like talking into the mic, and he's like, "Tell this to whoever you can, wherever they are. Tell everyone, watch the skies. <laughs> Keep watching the skies. Uh, almost as if it's setting up for a sequel. Like there might be more of these things yeah. coming at some point or something like that. But uh, it, it's also just really funny, like watching it nowadays. Like to think of, oh, there was a time where, like." in a movie they would have it where the government trusted the news like so much so they they would just let this reporter come like you know onto this army base with these big like crazy top secret things happening. yeah that that's a very fair point because because there's no objection to him being there it's not until they actually realize they're dealing with an alien and a ufo where the captain goes hey you can't talk about this yet until we like clear it with the you know the higher ups and then he then he whines about yeah, but this is my story. Then someone else will get it if I don't take it. This is the biggest story of all time. Uh, and I'm like maybe that's why you shouldn't have brought him to your secret, you know, science yeah. research base. Just a thought. It's a very weird person to bring on said mission. But yeah, but no, I think it's a fun movie. I think it's a fun movie. That's maybe mm. not the most memorable. It's kind of like you. Know, I think you expect because it's called the thing. 
it's like this big title from the past. You're like, oh, that's supposed to be a notable movie, and I don't think it is. I think it's a decent, it's a decent sci-fi fifties B horror movie. Yeah, with likable enough characters, <laughs> uh, decent enough sort of moments and effects, but nice setting uh, and sort of nice sort of you know bottle movie like tactics of trying to look because they try a few different things to try and kill them, and you know it's nice, nice seeing them try and be proactive and do different things, but. That's kinda that's kinda what it is. Pretty straightforward yeah. though. Yeah. You know? <laughs> there's there's very little nuance. You know, the the the, the Carpenter movie's full of like nuance about paranoia. This is just kinda like you know if if anything, the, the characters uh kinda like screw themselves by not being paranoid enough about <laughs> each other because they everything the scientist gets away with all this stuff because no one seems to be thinking he might be up to something bad, so Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that, like all the paranoia and the tension that's in, a, you know, John Carpenter's The Thing, that's where, like, he really, like, you know, struck gold. And, you know, it's, uh, if you had to compare, you know, the two movies, uh, I, yeah, I think that would be the big thing that's missing from this original one. Um, yeah. yeah, like you said, it, it's good enough. Uh, I think if you, like, you kind of know what you're getting into if you're going to watch it, like, you know, like we said, 1950s sci-fi alien monster movie. Um, if that's your thing, if those are the kind of movies you like, you know, I, I think this is a, you know definitely a good one that you would dig. Um, if it's not your cup of tea, then yeah, but, you know, wouldn't really be any reason for you to watch it. But well, that's like a summary that was going to end in a rating, so just roll that right <laughs> into your rating out of ten, Tim. Um. Yeah, so again, uh, I, I can't say I overly liked it, but I can't say that uh, I overly hated it either. Um, you know, I thought it was slow at parts, but I did like the parts with the alien. So again, it's right down the middle for me, uh, which is what my rating's going to be. I'm just going to give it a 5 out of 10, just straight straight down. Hmm. Uh, that seems a touch harsh to me. So, uh, <laughs> no, I, I think uh, I'm going to go with a 6.5. Okay. Uh, it's, a, it's a fun <laughs> 50s sci-fi horror B-movie. Uh, mm. I don't think there's a lot of weight there, though. I think it's just very basic kind of monsters try to get in, we need to fight back yeah. kind of movie. That's basically what it is. I mean, you can argue they're trying to go for something with the whole, you know, should we let science study it even at the expense of, like, the lives of the people who are there. Like, there, there is a debate there. I don't know if it necessarily pulls off that debate, though. So, yeah. uh, you know, 6.5 out of 10 for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do recommend watching it, though, if you're into these type of movies. Um mm-hmm. But no, so I guess that's the thing. So uh, that was our vote for the month. There is a vote for next month, of course. It's alligator slash crocodile themed. <laughs> so our, our patrons can go and vote in movies in that category, uh, should they wish, sometime this month. And we'll do that sometime next month. Uh, also, I've mentioned The Crypt before, which is another Patreon thing where you can uh, you can put pick movies as often as you want onto a to-do list. And then every so often we will pick one off that list, uh, The Crypt list, as we call it. Uh, we did one just recently, we did My Little Eye uh, last week, so uh, we do get to them eventually, sometimes, it's a thing. Uh, but it was just a fun way fun way to have, have uh, the viewers and uh, listeners send in movies for us to do. Uh, but, uh, so you can get all that stuff over at patreon.com slash mailfuzztv, uh, link to that in the description, in the corner of the video, uh, of course it's just a, you know, beyond the extras you get, it's basically just a way to support us and say you like the show and like the channel and keep us doing what we do. Uh, but no, so so that's cool. Uh, let us know what you think of the thing from another world in the comments below. Like, subscribe, all that jazz. Get us on Twitter at mailed underscore fudge for channel updates. Uh, Tim, if they want to find you on Twitter, I've not asked you this in a while. 
Where can they find you? <laughs> um, well, uh, pretty much any you know social media thing. Uh, it's just at Tim Vargulish. Um, so yeah, hit me up. Uh, send me a message. Let me know what your favorite horror movie is. I'll let you know if you're right or wrong. Uh. <laughs> What's the right answer according to you, Tim the Boy? Mm, it's up there. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you can get me on Twitter at Wibble eighty nine. So yeah, uh, go go do that. Uh, but there you go. That, that's us. <laughs> so thank you very much once again for watching. We will see you next time with our horror movie. The next, the next three what episodes we do will all be Christmas movies. So you can look forward to that. But that is us. So thank you once again for watching. We always appreciate it. Keep watching scary movies, guys. We'll see you next time. Eh, eh, eh. <laughs>